Jesus was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. He answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here, or lo there. Behold, the kingdom of God is among you. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, you shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here, or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteneth unto the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things, and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We are in the Gospel of Luke, which he wrote to his friend, the most excellent Theophilus. We are in chapter 17, verse 20. Here the Pharisees once again asked Jesus when the kingdom of God would come. Dr. Mitchell tells us these Pharisees were looking for a material kingdom rather than the actual kingdom of God. Our Lord replied in truth when he said, The kingdom of God is among you, he himself being their king. Well, then Jesus turns to his disciples to speak of the coming of the Son of Man in his day, and in that day it will have declined to such a degree that it will be like the days of Noah. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell with Jesus' statements concerning the kingdom of God, both to the Pharisees and to his disciples, Luke chapter 17, verse 11, on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. We rejoice in the privilege that is mine of coming to you again. And as you well know, we are in the Gospel through Luke in chapter 17. For those of you who are possibly tuning in for the first time or you have missed some of the programs, we are going through an exposition of the Gospel through Luke, this marvelous book which gives to us Jesus Christ as the friend of publicans and sinners. He's the one who loves men and women and who loved them so much that he gave himself for them. In fact, they called him the friend of publicans and sinners. And in these chapters we've been dealing with, especially from 13 on, we've been dealing with the question of our Lord teaching the people of his day. Now, at the beginning of chapter 17, the first 10 verses, he has been teaching his disciples 
the question of offenses, of forgiveness, the question of our faith, and of how he rebukes people working for themselves instead of the Lord. In other words, when you do when the Lord blesses you in your ministry or in something in your life, let him have all the glory. Let us say we are unprofitable servants. Following that, he he went on his way toward Jerusalem. He's now at the end of his ministry. In a little while he'll be in Jerusalem and they will crucify him and cast him out. And as he's on his way, we find that ten lepers uh, cried for mercy, asked for the Lord to meet their need. For they had recognized somewhere or another, they'd heard about it, and they believed the testimony concerning his authority and concerning his ability to meet their need as lepers. And they also they also believed that he would heal them. Hence, when he said, you go and show yourself to the priest, they obeyed his word, and as they went, they were healed, and only one returned to thank him. In fact, this dear Samaritan who had been healed, when he found he was healed of his leprosy, he didn't go any further. He didn't even go to the priest or the temple. He turned round and came back and thanked the Savior. And again, may I say, I wonder if the Lord is missing your thanksgiving and my thanksgiving. I was just thinking about that, you know, in the book of Romans, chapter 1, the very first step in degeneration of the human race was, though they knew God, they glorified him not as God and became unthankful. It is so easy even for Christians who are the children of God to be unthankful. You know, here in America, we, we take so much for granted. But we can be, feel sorry for people in other parts of the world who do not begin to have what you and I have. And yet we do not take the time to get down and thank the Lord for his bountiful supply with a roof over our head and food to eat, clothes to wear, and so on. Oh, how thankful we ought to be for everything that we have. Now, somebody might say, now, just a minute, I worked for this. God didn't give it to me. I had to work for it. That may be true, but who gave you the strength to work for it? Who opened the job for you? And one could go down the line. Everything we receive we come, comes from his hands. And especially for us who are Christians, we ought to thank the Lord for his wonderful grace in meeting our every need. Now we come down to verse to verse uh, 20 and running right through to the end of the chapter our Lord begins to teach some things concerning his coming kingdom he's going to come as a king and he's going to come to reign and you'll notice that he is he, he is addressing himself to his enemies I want you to mark this and the reason why they do not see what the Lord is trying to teach them or is teaching them, unbelief has blinded their eyes and blinded their minds. Which reminds me of that verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, which says, The God of this world hath blinded the minds of those that believe not. I'm quoting the fourth verse of the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians. And Paul could say in 
Acts 26, 18, The Lord sent me to open eyes and to turn men from darkness to light. I want to again say to you, my friends, that unbelief is a terrible, terrible thing. Now let's look at this for a few moments. I'm reading from verse 20 of Luke chapter 17. And when Jesus was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Or, I think if you read the revised version there, Behold, the kingdom of God is among you. The king was then present. And he said unto the disciples, The days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. You shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. He goes down to verse 30. He talks about the situation then, the days of Lot. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And he gives you instructions following that. Now, first of all, may I say, where the kingdom of God is. Verses 20 and 21. The Pharisees wanted to know when the kingdom of God should come. And the Lord answered them by saying, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. That it, the kingdom of God is over there or it's over here. For behold, the kingdom of God is among you. Now, I want you to stop here for a moment. The kingdom of God is among you. What the Pharisees are really were saying is, You've talked about the kingdom. You've talked about these things. Well, when is it coming? Now, again, may I remind you that the Lord had presented his credentials as to his messiahship, his kingship. The king was present, but unbelief had no eyes for him who was the king. Hence, it does not come by observation. It's not localized. It's not low here although there. You see, they were looking for a materialistic kingdom instead of a spiritual kingdom. You remember the Lord said in John 18, 36, My kingdom is not of this world. The king, kingdom of God, is among you. The king is present. There can be no kingdom without a king. And as he could say, My kingdom is not of this world. Else would my servants fight. Our Lord especially was speaking of a spiritual kingdom. Now, it may be well for me to suggest this because uh, uh, in saying this, I'm sure I'm answering some questions. And I'm going to take the time to do it. I have mentioned two or three times that the miracles of our Savior were his credentials as to his Messiahship. No one has ever performed the miracles that he performed. And I say that very uh, firmly. In the Gospel through Matthew, for example, the great question is, is this Jesus of Nazareth 
the Messiah. And there are no distinctive miracles in Matthew until you come to chapter 8, where you have the healing of a leper, and Jesus said to the leper, You go and, sh and show yourself to the priest. Why? Messiah is here. In other words, Isaiah informs us in chapter, in chapter 14, chapter 35 of Isaiah, and if you take Isaiah chapter 61, Luke 4.18, so on, you find the Lord's ministry is spoken of. When our Lord came here, exactly completed, fulfilled all the detail of what Isaiah said about the coming of the Lord to the earth and how they would know him. That's why I say that when he, when he came cleansing lepers, opened the eyes of the blind, the lame leaped like a heart, the dead are raised, demons are cast out, these are the signs of the king. That's Matthew. Now, when you come to John's gospel, uh, you only find seven signs in John's gospel. The great question in John's gospel is, is this Jesus of Nazareth, God manifest in the flesh? So when John begins to give us the miracles or the signs in John's gospel, these are the signs of his deity. Is Jesus of Nazareth really God manifest in the flesh? Is he really God? So you find in the miracles in John's gospel there are three that have to do with his power over creation. For example, in chapter 2, he turned water into wine, the best wine. In, in chapter 6, he took five loaves and two fishes, and he fed 5,000, and there were 12 basketfuls left. This is the act of a creator. And then in the storm, in chapter 6, he stilled the storm. He rebuked the winds and the waves, and there was a calm. This is the act of a creator. And you remember John 1, 3 says, all things were made by him. He has authority over creation. He's God manifest in the flesh. Then there were three miracles that have to do with healing. And all three are different. In chapter 4 of John, you have where our Lord healed the noble one, son, without ever seeing him. He just said to the noble, you go home, your boy's already healed. And when the nobleman came home, he asked him what time the fever left the boy, and he found it was exactly the same time that the Lord said, Go home, your boy is healed. In chapter 5, he heals a man, an incurable man, 38 years infirmed, totally helpless, with no hope at all, and the Lord Jesus healed him. The third one is in chapter 9 of John, where he opens the eyes of a man born blind. And you remember the testimony of the blind man after his eyes were opened when he said, Herein is a marvelous thing. Whoever heard since the foundation of the world, a man born blind having his eyes open, is not this the Christ? That's six of them. Three healing, three on creation. And then we have the, the last one, the seventh one in chapter 11, where he raises a man from the dead who's already been in corruption four days. He just speaks the word, and Lazarus is raised from the dead. Now, this is, the, this is what I mean by credentials. This was a proof positive to the people of his day. This, and these are my credentials that I am your Messiah, that I am the one who has come to reveal 
God to you. He's not coming to teach us the truth. He is the truth. He's not a way sure. He is the way. You see, I can tell you how I, I'm a way sure. I can tell you how to get to glory through Jesus Christ. But he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And there's no life apart from him. So when I say to you that our Lord and perform these miracles, these were his credentials as to his person, as to his messiahship. So when they said uh, to Jesus, these enemies of his, you've been talking about the kingdom, now when is it coming? When is it coming? And he tells them, the king has been present with you about three years. He's been among you, and you've refused him. You've turned him down. You have no heart for the king. We had in the preceding chapter how they derided the Lord. They turned their nose up at him. They hated him. As our Lord said in John 15, they hated me without a cause. I hope I've made myself clear on this. So when they talked about, about the, the kingdom, when it was and where it is, he's right present. The kingdom of God is present because the king was there. But I repeat it, unbelief had no eyes for him who was the king. Hence, it doesn't come by observation. It's not localized. You can't say, here it's here, or it's there. It's not localized. I repeat it, they did not see his spiritual kingdom, which is far more important than a materialistic kingdom. A materialistic kingdom is a passing thing. His spiritual kingdom is eternal. The spiritual is always greater than the physical, just as the moral is greater than the physical, and the spiritual is the eternal. Now that comes to the next question. Well, well, how is it going to come? So we read the next few verses, and he said to these disciples, and I'm sure it was really pointed to, his, to these Pharisees, the days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here or see there. Don't you go after them. Don't you follow them. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part unto heaven shineth unto the other part unto heaven, so shall also the Son of Man uh, be in his day. Now, I'd like to... I'd like to stop here for a moment. The Pharisees are listening in, but now he really turns to his disciples and instructs them regarding the time when he would be absent. Somebody says, here's the kingdom. It's not there. Don't you go after them. Don't you follow them. If I were to go back to uh, Matthew chapter 24, you remember he said, he talks about false Christs, false teachers who would seek to leave you lead you astray. And he warns them to be on guard against false Christs, because there will be no doubt when the Lord Jesus comes to reign. His return will be sudden. It will be universal. It will be well known. I, I, would, I would like just to stop here for a moment. You notice in the Gospels, in Matthew 24 and 25, and in Mark chapter 13, 
In Luke chapter 17, Luke chapter 21, we read of the coming of the Son of Man. There's very little said in John about it. You'll notice in these three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the coming of the Son of Man is always to the earth. This is not his coming for the church. This is his coming to the earth. The Pharisees knew nothing about the church. The disciples knew nothing about the church. The Lord hadn't even talked about the church. Church was a mystery hidden in God from past generations. If I were teaching Ephesians chapter 3, we would take that up. But I want to make this, this blunt statement. When you read in the Gospels of the coming of the Son of Man, it's not his coming for the church. It's his coming to the earth to set up his kingdom. The king is going to reign as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He's going to reign from one end of the earth to the other. That's the time when no man shall teach his brother, nor the Lord, all shall know me, and so on. You find that in different portions of prophecy. Suffice for me to say right here that in, before the Lord comes, there are going to be false prophets, there are going to be false teachers, there are going to be false Christs. They're going to say, see here or see there. Don't you go after them because the coming of the Son of Man is a well-marked event. Just as the lightning that lightneth out of the one part of the heavens shineth unto the other part of the heavens, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. It's going to be well, a well-marked event. Take Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also who pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Now, when you come to Matthew chapter 24, in that chapter, you remember verses 29 to 30, verse 44, chapter 5, 31, you find our Lord's going to come. There's going to be signs in the heaven and signs on the earth, and, and suddenly there shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. He's going to fulfill Daniel chapter 7. He's going to come in the clouds of heaven. There'll be no doubt Will you listen to this teacher, or that teacher, or this false Christ, or that false Christ? When he comes in his glory, there'll be no question who he is. There'll be no question who he is. So shall also the Son of Man be in his day. He's going to come in the clouds of heaven, and he's going to come so that every, every eye shall see him. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be used universally well known. And when I think of the television and all that we have, the whole, the whole earth, the whole population of the earth will see him whom they pierced. And they shall wail because of him. Not happy. When he comes to the earth, he's going to come as judge. You find that in the first chapter of Second Thessalonians, which says, He's going to come in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and who obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, please read this, will you? Read these passages. Revelation 1, 7, Matthew 24 and 25, Mark 13, 
Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and chapter 2. The well-marked event, the coming of the Saviour. And everybody will know because they're going to see him whom they pierce. And may the Lord bless you today. And keep on reading, will you? And may the Lord make the very word to, to grip your heart and grip your life. This is a real thing. He may come today for his own. Then what? Afterwards he will come to reign as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.